Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Traveling in Asia is exotic, and the animals you'll encounter certainly can be different from those in your home country. From elephants to street dogs, you're bound to have at least a couple interesting animal encounters on a voyage through Asia. After living in the region collectively for more than four decades, we've had some fun, at times unnerving, and unique animal experiences, which we'll share with you today. In Bangkok, Thailand, I'm Scott Coates, and with me as always is... Trevor Ranges in the ant capital of the world, aka my dining room. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing you got to get used to in Asia is insects. You know, I didn't put any insects on my animal tails today. Um, but, you know, living in Bali a couple of times, I remember like in Bali, you live amongst the insects. You know, you live in their world and you just sort of accept the fact that there's insects everywhere. And here in Cambodia, now I have a lot of red ants, mostly red ants, and they're pretty vicious. Uh, but ants are just something that are uh, a part of everyday life, you know. Yeah, I'm excited to do this episode. Uh, what do you think, Scott? It's going to be great. Just before we get there, ants, I have had a longstanding policy that if there's ants and they're kind of getting in the middle of your stuff, you got to move. You'll never beat the ants. Like if you're sitting in the middle of their trail, if they're around your picnic spot, move. You, you must succumb to the ants. You must give them passage and just get out of the way. Or you leave no quarter. You know, like I'm, I'm quite Buddhist and not, I mean, I eat meat. I try to eat a lot of vegetarian food, but I don't try to kill things except ants and mosquitoes, man. And, and, and ants just, there's so many of them and mosquitoes, but yeah, I don't know. Insects are, are, are an interesting thing. We could almost do a whole episode on insects in Asia. Cause I got a, a lot of crazy insect stories too. Let's keep that in our cap because this episode actually came about as an offshoot of episode 121 monkey tales. And we started thinking of other animal encounters. And next thing you know, we had half a show and we said, Hey, let's, let's brainstorm this a bit more. And so monkey tales has spawned animal tales. I see there's a note here that you had for a praying mantis. Cause I was like, I have a, I have a couple praying mantis stories too. That's why we should do the, the insect tales maybe. But I think monkey tales, we got some good feedback from some of our listeners. And so I'm glad uh, that we should go ahead and, and do like other animal tales just because, uh, yeah, there's, there's different animals here and the way different cultures react to animals, I think is different from the way it is in the West as well. Absolutely. And you know, what I'm thinking my first exotic, I'm from Canada. So exotic uh, animal experience had to have been like two months in seeing an elephant for the first time up in Chiang Rai at an elephant camp uh, up there. And, and that was just a mind bender. Like I knew I was going to see an elephant and it was a domesticated elephant, but still that was awesome. And then also in Chiang Rai province in a mountain town called Doi Mesolong, it was a cooler evening and it was something like a praying mantis, but it was the biggest freaking insect i've ever seen it was on the wall of a guest house and it was just gargantuan like i still can't wrap my head around the size like of some insect. kind of stick oh. they have like stick insects yes yeah. yeah something it was, like it that was yeah no i remember my first elephant encounter too and it's funny now because like 
in a couple of weeks, I'll be in Asia for 20 years. And I don't know how many times I've hung out with elephants now over the years, right? And it's still really cool. Like anytime you get to hang out with elephants is a really special experience. But that first time I think is like, uh, you're like, wow, that's an elephant, you know? And the monkey tail is talking about the first time you, you, you hang out with monkeys or you get attacked by a monkey or, <laughs> or something like that. We got a couple, I saw you made some ape tails. Uh, you didn't do apes in the monkey tails episode. So I'm glad that you I added a couple to this episode. Yeah. We've got some good ones, but just before we get into it, how can people that listen to the show enjoy it? Help us out, Trevor. Well, you can go ahead and rate and like and uh, give us like a little thumbs up or five stars or just make a little note saying that you like this episode or you'd like to hear more about snakes or stick bugs or whatever it might be. Um, otherwise, uh, you can donate to the show. We have had a number of new patrons recently and we really appreciate the financial support. Um, if you go to our show notes, uh, there's a link for donate to the show with Patreon and become a patron. And for as little a dollar a month, a dollar a month, I think is the, is a, a upward. Really, yeah. yeah, upwards. You can. Some people do donate more, and we really do appreciate yeah. that because for years this was a hobby, and it still is a hobby that we've been funding ourselves, and uh, I enjoy doing it. But uh, you know, having some support from our listeners really. Uh, it helps a lot. I really appreciate it. So, so thanks a lot for our patrons, uh, Lori in Kuala Lumpur, who actually, she's a patron and, uh, she reached yeah. out to, to me today about my card game. So I hope I can get her a set of that to thank her for donating to our show. Yeah. And we've a few months ago started doing special little things to patrons. We have an episode every two weeks, but the weekend between that, Trevor and I now share, it can be a short podcast, kind of off the cuff, eight or 10 minutes. We're starting to film little videos and we've had some fun conversations and some fun videos. We just shared one of Trevor riding his bike around Phnom Penh. I shared a little one riding a bike on a canal and being alongside a canal side community. So there's a little extra in it for you too, if you show us some financial love. So Trevor, Let's grab these animals. Let's show them who's boss. What's your first memorable animal tale for us? Well, it's funny. I saw when we started brainstorming this, you were just like in no particular order. So I was like, all right, let's just kind of throw out some some animals. So I made a list of animals and I was like, okay, cats. There's got to be some good cat stories. And then I just finally thought of it. The best cats are the jumping cats at the jumping cat temple in Inlay Lake in Myanmar. And I think, oh, we, right. I, I think on like a, one of our early Myanmar episodes, we talked about the jumping cat temple because I believe I put a photo of it and there's like a monk sitting cross-legged and he's holding like this little hula hoop and there's a cat jumping through <laughs> it and the cat doesn't like leap through it. It like jumps halfway and then it kind of goes to a sitting position and it flies through the hoop. <laughs> like it's sitting. It's hilarious. So that's my cat story for Southeast Asia is the jumping cat temple in Lay Lake, Myanmar. Yeah, that is one. And when I was in Inlay, like the cats weren't jumping. They were just uh. being cats. But it is an insane one. And you just wonder how did somebody at some point decide like, okay, cats are going to be our thing. And we're going to teach them to jump through hula hoops. Because well, and- the temple's in the middle <laughs> of a lake. There's nothing else to do, you know? Okay, you did mention these are in no order, and that is the kind of fun bit. I like funny dog stuff. And I'm thinking particularly Thailand because I see it the most here but in the cool season where it can get down to 20 or a couple years ago even 16 but i would say whenever it drops to about 22 or under the soy dogs the dogs that are just around each street people will put t-shirts on them and sweaters so you'll see like a t-shirt on a dog and it's cinched up and the dog won't try and get it off and you'll just see these kind of 
ratty looking dogs wandering down the street in a ratty looking t-shirt and it's just hilarious that people take the time to put a t-shirt or a sweater on them to keep them warm and i also really love you'll get dogs sitting in front of 7-eleven doorways because the doors slide open so the dogs will sit and sleep in front of the doorway just to get a little brief blast of air and i think if you were in canada or america people would nudge those dogs out of the way but here ties will step over them for hours and just let them sit there like I find that unbelievable. It's really, it's sweet. And then the other one is riding on motorcycles. Like I drive a motorbike and you regularly see a dog either sitting on the back seat precariously behind the owner or between the legs of the driver with its paws up on the the handlebars of the motorbike or where your feet sit on a scooter sitting in between the feet and this head poking out the side of the scooter. So I always think those things are are pretty funny with dogs here in Thailand. Yeah, that's a big cultural difference. I think that's very unique to Thailand, the way they treat the street dogs. Now, my dog Mm -hmm. story was uh, in in Bali, and this was one of the only times I've ever owned a dog. So I house sat for my buddy Joey, and he had a mama and son dog. that The mama dog was a stray who who he brought home, and then she had a, a puppy, Taro. And Taro was a great dog. And he used to chase me down to the beach when I rode my beach cruiser to go like body surfing or something. And in Indonesia, okay. they're they're generally very scared of dogs. In Bali, they're very scared of dogs. And and it's mostly just because there's a lot of rabies. Yeah. So like dogs running down the street, they don't know that the okay. dog's chasing after me. On a, like I'm riding my beach cruiser down the down the street, and the dog's just chasing down the street after me. And he like scares the <laughs> crap out of people, you know. But then the funniest thing is that when like when I would come back if I had him on a leash or something there's all these taxi guys that are like hey taxi you want a taxi you want a taxi and and i'm like can i bring my dog in your taxi and they're like oh no and i'm like well why did you ask me if i wanted a taxi i'm like you see the bicycle right can i put the bicycle in your taxi and he's like yeah i'm like and the dog and they're like oh no (laughs) and so like uh just the the different opinions on dogs there mostly dogs in in bali indonesia i think they're for uh like protection for your house They're, they're not really like pets yeah, and Muslims tend, I know that Bali is mostly Hindus, but Muslims don't really, aren't keen on dogs either. Mm-hmm. So it probably comes from that too. Just one more dog one. Sorry, is in Thailand especially, those dogs will sit in the middle of walkways or sit in the middle of roads in rural areas and just kind of give you the eye as you're getting close that let you know that I'm not moving. Like you're driving yeah. around me. Today, my wife and I were cycling on sidewalk above a canal and there was a dog laying on the one side of the path and he kind of opened one eye and, and from, you know, three, four meters off was giving me the eye and just honestly letting me know, like, I'm not moving. Like you're, you're riding your bike around me. And sure enough, that dog did not budge, budge. Yeah. And they do that a lot. It's, it's funny. funny. So my next one is a bit of a painful story and I am still convinced this elephant meant to do it. <laughs> so I mentioned the first time I saw an elephant and it was at this same elephant camp called Ban Ruamit. It was an old place where you would ride an elephant and that back in the days before the world decided we shouldn't do that. And there was a smaller elephant, I don't know, maybe a year old and he was behind a bamboo fence and we were all standing there with, with my guests. I was leading a trip with some guests at the time and I'm sure I was giving them some incredibly interesting information about elephants. And this little elephant like kind of took its trunk, swung it, and like snap me like you would snap someone with a wet towel, snap me right in the nuts. Ooh. And it hurt. I, <laughs> I, I buckled over. It really, really hurt. And just the way the elephant hit me, it was a flick. And it could have hit me in my body much harder. Like I'm sure it could have knocked me over. Yeah. But it just seemed like it literally like flicked me, just like you would try and precisely get someone with a towel. And it got me great <laughs> in the jewels. And it really, really hurt. And 
everyone with me kind of looked and then just started laughing. Like that was, that was, that was really funny. Because the elephant, the trunk is so strong. It can pick up like a telephone pole, like a big tree with that thing. John Roberts, it's been on our show before, and he runs the elephant program, among other things, up at the um, the Golden Triangle. He got his shoulder, uh, I think his shoulder blade or something broken a couple months ago, and he said it was mm. his own fault. He just was too close to one, and it wasn't in a good mood, and it just knocked him with the trunk, and it broke his shoulder blade, I believe. Yeah, I just took a swat at him, I believe it. Yeah, my elephant story. I didn't get whacked in the nuts, but an elephant sneezed on me once, which was pretty funny. It just like it was like, whoosh, and it just exploded, and there's snot. Like I got elephant snot like all over me. We were like next to a river. It was like drinking water and stuff, so I was able to rinse off, you know. But my other elephant story was up at the Anantara Golden Triangle, and I, I rode an elephant up there, and it, it wasn't like with a basket or anything. It was just like I was bareback on top of an elephant, you know. And uh, right. some of some of these schools do like elephant bathing and stuff but we were just riding elephants i don't know whether who i was with maybe one of the mahouts that worked for john but we were just taking a couple elephants down to the river and we went down this really steep hill and i remembered like you can't it was this little single track and you couldn't even really see the trail and the elephant can't even see the trail and it, like elephants are so nimble like they can walk so carefully Very. down this like steep slippery hill and then we went into the river and the river there is like the border between thailand and myanmar and we we just went plush right into the river and I'm I'm on top of this elephant and elephants float as well, right? And the elephant decided to start like rolling over on its side to dunk its head underwater. And I was like standing on the elephant, like barrel rolling. I was like trying to like run, like to stay on top of it as it like turned. And I was literally like elephant surfing as this elephant was floating down the river. And that was an That's amazing neat. experience. Yeah. Yeah, the nimble part, there's been numerous times I've been on them, like you're saying, and they go down a gradient or up a gradient that I would struggle to go up, you know, mm. on my human feet and slip. And they can really navigate some precarious little tracks steep up and down. One more quick elephant one that was just kind of a magical experience. When we were in the Tarai, which is a southern part of Nepal, in a park that had rhinos, uh, you ride elephants to try and spot them. And we did spot a rhino, wow. you know, wow. atop an elephant. So you're sitting on an elephant and you Wait, see you saw a, a rhino, rhino on top of an elephant? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I phrase that wrong. I was on top of an elephant and I saw a rhino, but that would have been incredible, a rhino on top of an <laughs> yeah. elephant. But My next one is kind of simple, but we've talked about Highland Farm Gibbon Sanctuary before and gibbons are apes and their arms and, and legs are, it's like they have four powerful hands and they'd be a meter and a half long, meter to meter and a half, they're long. And they look skinny, but they're super strong and they're super fast. And whenever you get close to an enclosure at Highland, we always tell people, you know, don't get closer than a meter from that enclosure because they can reach out real quick and they like to be cheeky and grab. And I've had that happen, but one of my friend's wife was there and she had long blonde hair and the gibbon just reached out and grabbed a fistful of her hair and pulled her head like within a split second, like clang across to the, you know, the uh, fence of the enclosure. And yeah. she didn't really get hurt. She got scared more than anything and lost a wee bit of hair. But it, it's it's amazing how fast they can move and how strong. There is no way you would win a fight against a gibbon. Yeah, that's like uh, when when I saw the orangutan in Bukit Luang in Sumatra, they warned us about that because orangutans like spend all their time in the trees. They said the only time you have mm -hmm. to really worry about orangutan is when they're on the ground. If they're on the ground, that means they're 
threatened and they might attack you, right? If they're in the trees, he said that they were safe. He's like, but they're really curious and they're eight times stronger than humans. So he said like, they might reach down from behind you. You don't even know there's one there and they'll grab you by like the hair and they could pick you up off the ground from that. So I was like, oh my God, like, so yeah, they're really strong and, and they warned us about that. Uh, but my next story, which was in uh, Borneo in, in that part of Malaysia, the second time I saw orangutans, we went out for a, a night hike and a flying lemur flew over us, which was amazing. Like, he's like, look, a flying lemur. And it flew like right over us. And then it peed on us. And awesome. That's lucky. <laughs> I know. This is like my second <laughs> gnarly story. So it was actually not as bad as the elephant sneeze, which was kind of charming. But the, the lemur pee, he only kind of grazed us. So I got like a little bit of lemur pee on me. But it was pretty cool to see a flying lemur anyway, because it like flew and then it like landed in a tree. That's really neat. You know, I also had an orangutan uh, encounter in Kuching. That's in Malaysian Borneo. Mm. Just about 45 minutes out of the city of Kuching, there's a place where they kind of rehab some and they put out food. So they'll come from the wild, but they'll, they kind of know that there's going to be food offered and you'll see them climb out of the trees and down ropes slowly. And to see orangutans out in the wild coming in like that, that it, it was incredible. And there was one that kind of climbed to the edge of the jungle. And, and just like if I saw a bear in Canada, the rangers were saying, like, stay back, stay back. They can move fast. And people were wanting to get closer photos. But just seeing them in the more or less wild like that, that, that was incredible. So I'm going to change gears here a little bit. So we're going back to the okay. uh, random order. And uh, the water buffalo is one of my favorite animals. We've talked about buffaloes a little bit on the show, you know, like buffalo racing and stuff like that. But uh, I think the buffalo and like if you call a Thai person a buffalo in Thai, it's like one of the most insulting mm. things. It's like an MF right. or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but if somebody called me a buffalo, I'd be like, yeah, I mean, buffaloes are badass. I think they're awesome, you know? So my buffalo story, I mean, I, I probably have a bunch of buffalo stories, but I, I got paid twice to ride buffaloes, which is something I've always been really proud of. So, yeah, well, while I was writing for National Geographic, I had the opportunity to go to this buffalo, I was going to say sanctuary. It's like a buffalo facility. Retirement community? Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> it's like near Lampang. Lampang is where they have the elephant, uh, like the king of Thailand's That's royal right. elephants. Yeah. So somewhere right around Lampang, they have this elephant, this buffalo thing. And I rode a buffalo and then they do like a buffalo bridge where all these buffaloes line up and you can like walk across the top of them. And they, tr they taught the buffaloes how to like play music, like these ring little bells and stuff like that. Like almost <laughs> any, almost anything you can teach an elephant, you can teach a buffalo except the painting because buffaloes don't have trunks, you know. And then I got a gig with the Tourism Authority of Thailand to do like uh, this promotional video on slow travel. And I had to wear some like straw hat and ride a buffalo and talk about how like you should take That's it slow cool. and go to Isan and, and chill out on a buffalo. And, and I loved it. I mean, I, th I think buffaloes are really cool. They are noble. I've encountered so many mountain biking over the years. And on the note of buffalo, I'd really like to see buffalo races, which happen what southeast of Bangkok in Chonburi every year. And those things can haul ass. Yeah, that's why they're big. And they're like, one time we sure were mountain biking in Kokong and I was with this guy and we were like, just, just bush, bush riding basically. And we got on this trail and, and suddenly it was like the trail was only like super skinny and there was like trees and grass and everything. And there was a buffalo in the middle of the trail and we had to walk past it. And it was just like, it took like, that was one of the most daring things I ever did was just scooching past this giant buffalo with my, with my mountain bike, just because of how big and strong they are. 
totally shifting gears again. This goes back to the New Year's between 99 and 2000, when everyone thought the world was going to come to an end because of Y2K. And I was on the island of Kotao, which is just off of Samui. And we were staying in some pretty simple kind of A-frame bungalows. And they were on the side of a cliff and higher up on a hill. And walking back to our bungalow, me and my buddy one night, it was a dark path, you know, just moonlight. And we sort of saw something ahead going across the path. As we got closer, it was a massive, what I assume was a boa or python or something. I mean, when I say massive, it had to have been, you know, five meters long or something. And it was thick, like super, super thick. And just kind of sitting there moving around a bit. And we we stood there for a bit. And then we just walked back down the hill and went and had one more beer. And then went back and it was gone. But we just decided, and I'm not going to try and walk over this. Like, this is an ominous sign. Even though we shouldn't have had any more beer, we just thought, let's go back and let this thing be. But it was a bloody biggest snake I've ever seen in real life. No, because my snake, my one of my snake stories is from Kotao too. And Tanot Bay is on the east side of Kotao. We went, like, we were staying down on the beach, but there was a restaurant, like, kind of up on the hillside, and we went up there, and we ended up drinking buckets, yeah? So, like, buckets mm-hmm. are, like, it's like a sand pail, you know, that children play in at the beach, and okay. they fill it That's with right. vodka and Red Bull and, like, 10 straws, and then, like, 10 of you just, like, drink it, or it's Mekong and Coke. It's just, like... If you don't know what a bucket is, maybe we'll put a picture on the show notes, but we're drinking buckets and we needed to get back to our, our guest house. And uh, the guy who owned it was like, Hey, you want to give, we'll give you, I'll give you a ride in my pickup truck. And we're like, no, it's like, it's like 500 meters down the hill. We can walk. And he's like, no, no, I'll give you guys. He's like, it's dark. I'll give you a ride. So we all get back in the pickup truck and he drives like maybe a hundred meters and he stops and he starts honking his horn and he's flashing his lights and we're like, what's going on? And we stand up and we look in the road and yeah, there's like this five meter long, I think it was a Python, like a reticulated Python or a Burmese Python or something like that. Yeah, and it's big. massive. I mean, it's like, again, like switching back, it must've been like 10, 12 inches around. Like one of us would have tripped over it. Like we wouldn't have seen it in the dark. It was covered across the entire road. One of, or several mm-hmm. of us would have tripped over it without even seeing it. Cause it was so massive. And then after honking for a little while, it decided to just like <laughs> shimmy along and, and get off the trail. My other snake story was, is way more exciting. And this was on Sukhumvit Soy one, um, which is near the Plinchit BTS station and Bumrungrad hospital. Yeah. I so this is like, guys lived there. yeah, this is like the heart of Bangkok, you know, and me and my buddy Mark had just come out of Sukhumvit Soy one and we took a left to go toward Nana. And just as we were walking on the street, this snake comes like shooting straight down the sidewalk, like straight at us, like, like, right. And I jumped backwards just as the bus was coming the other way. Cause there's like a bus lane there. And I was so scared. I was going to get killed by a bus then too. So, but this guy had his, he grabbed the tail of the snake and the snake like whipped around like towards him. And he kind of like danced around and there's a gas station or there was a gas station there back then. And he managed to like get his foot on the snake's neck. And then somebody ran over and got a rice bag and, and then they put it in, in a rice bag and somebody probably ate it. But the next day we went to the snake farm there in Bangkok just to go check out what was going on and learn more about snakes. Uh, so that Bangkok snake right. farm is pretty cool to check out too for snakes. Yeah. That is cool. They show you how they milk king cobras and stuff. For and they just let cobras out like right in front of like people and children yeah. and stuff. It's crazy. And they melt them too. Yeah, yeah, that's a neat one. Well, mine is kind of a snake. It's not nearly as exciting as that last one you just <laughs> told, but I was down uh, in Gabi province and I believe I was down by Riley Bay. And 
just a few weeks before I had been watching something on TV and they were showing sea snakes and mentioning how extremely deadly they were. And there's nothing really to see snorkeling there, but I had a mask on, me and my girlfriend at the time. And sure enough, there is a striped sea snake, a nice. white and black one that kind of came like right, right close to us. And I'd just seen it a few weeks before and I was petrified seeing it, but it just swam and it swam away. Yeah. But then I saw sea cucumbers on the ground Ooh, and it was super funny because I'm just looking at them. And then I kind of looked to the side to see my girlfriend and there's no girlfriend. I'm like, what? what's happened? And I kind of put my head above the water and look back to the beach and it's probably 10 meters to the beach or so. And she's just standing on the sand. And so I go back and I'm like, what's, what's up? And she goes, scary animal. She'd never <laughs> seen one. And she must've jumped up and like run on top of the water. Cause she yeah. had bolted out over a sea cucumber. It's so weird. People have these weird like sea cucumber fetishes. Like people are like, you know how like some people don't like, what's one of those words that people don't like. If you say it, they're just like, Ugh. So then my buddy Noah from Hawaii, he came out to Thailand with some friends, Tony and, and Dorian, and we went out to Koh Nang Yuan, yeah, off of uh, Koh Tao. Mm-hmm. Yeah, off of Koh Tao. And, and Noah was trying to tell us that, like, if you jerked off a sea cucumber, like, some stuff would come out of it. And I remember, <laughs> no, it didn't. But, like, watching Noah, like, jerk off a sea cucumber was, like, the funniest thing ever. And the cucumber probably thought it was just a nice massage, so that was cool. Um, but my next story was going to be about sharks. I love like seeing sharks when I scuba dive and, and I have yet to see a whale shark. And speaking of Lori, like she's a big diver. She's definitely seeing whale sharks. And, you know, even when I was down in, uh, here on the islands, lazy beach back in December, um, somebody saw a, a whale shark here in Cambodia recently, but you know, the coolest really? shark sighting. Yeah. Yeah. They still have them quite a lot. Uh, but the, the sharks I saw were leopard sharks. Uh, and there's quite a few leopard sharks too. And, for you know for people who don't know a lot about sharks like whale sharks aren't aren't even really sharks they're like just giant fish and they don't eat people they eat krill like whales do and and leopard sharks are not like tiger sharks like tiger sharks eat your arms and your legs or your whole body and stuff but leopard sharks are really gentle and my dad and I my dad came out to to PPI island and this is pre tsunami and we just went to a dive shop and my dad's like, let's go for a dive. And so we found a dive shop and we asked some guy if we could just rent some tanks and he wouldn't just give us tanks, but he said he'd come with us. And we're like, we'll just get a long tail. And he's like, I got a long tail. So me and my dad and uh, this guy just took a long tail out and uh, we dropped in the water and we got to the bottom and there was these two leopard sharks and then this other leopard shark came up and then these two male leopard sharks did like this mating dance kind of ritual with the with the female shark and it was really beautiful they're really beautiful sharks so the leopard sharks on uh, caught pp uh is definitely a, a cool experience and i've seen leopard sharks there a few times so pp island is a, is a really good place to to look for sharks Damn, that is pretty cool. You know, my next one is something I see in Bangkok all the time, but they are in parts of Thailand. And I only really realized recently that monitor lizards are not in northern Thailand. They're not all the way far north. Like, they need a certain amount of warmth. But Mm. if you live anywhere around water sources in the hotter parts of Thailand, so I don't know, like, definitely in Bangkok and south and then in other hot parts of the region. But you're going to see monitor lizards, which kind of look like just like a mini crocodile or mini alligator. But I've seen them get up to, you know, meter plus meter and a half but uh, i walk and jog a lot in lumpini park one of the central parks in bangkok and you see them all the time there they're swimming sometimes you'll be jogging and they'll just be one slowly crossing the running path that everyone's on and no matter how many times i see them you know it's just quite something to to be jogging and then see this giant you know crocodile like lizard 
walking across the path that you're running on and they climb trees and sleep on the trees. They can swim really well too, yeah. They can swim very well. And one time I was walking through the jungle in Kanchanaburi province to Irwan waterfalls years ago and it was a quiet day and I was you know, just walking alone and I kind of hear a rustle and I just look to my left and there's a rock and a massive like one meter monitor would just kind of look scared as well and looked at me and we both just kind of looked at each other and neither of us moved and I just slowly walked off. But it was doing the same thing you could tell. I think was probably more scared of me, but we both kind of eyed each other and uh, yeah, but I never get tired of seeing monitor lizards. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting thing. If you go to like some islands in Southeast Asia, um, they, they have them on a lot of these islands and usually you'll see them like if you do a trek across the island and once you start the trek, whatever village you're leaving in will have like a big garbage pit behind the village, like along the that's trail. Right, yeah. yeah. And that's where you'll always see like these big lizards. They, they love these garbage pits. My next one's going to be spiders. And, uh, you know, I think I have quite a few spider stories, uh, just like I have a lot of snake stories. And I have a few shark stories I left out, too. But the spider one I thought of was uh, when I was bamboo rafting in, in Chiang Rai. Chiang Mai. It was my first time to Thailand back in 96. And the bamboo rafting is one of the kind of traditional touristy things to do. Classic. Yeah, they're like, like these huge, long bamboo poles that are stitched together into rafts so so maybe what would you say they're probably about like five meters long and maybe like yeah. uh two meters wide maybe six meters long yeah. by two meters wide and you can fit like three Something people like on them and you're you're using big bamboo poles to like steer and you're cruising down a river and we went underneath this this tree and the branches kind of thwacked us you know you had to kind of duck to go underneath this tree because you can't steer them too well and i was wearing a baseball cap and I went straight through this huge spider web so that the spider web wrapped all the way around my head. The, the brim caught the, the front of the web so that the spider went boing, like right in front of my face. Like, like my head was wrapped in spider web and the spider was literally like inches from my head. And I just like took my hat off and <laughs> threw it into the river. And, uh, yeah, it was just terrifying because like we got some pretty big, scary spiders here in Asia and, uh, getting one like practically touching your nose with, uh, no notice is, uh, was pretty freaky. Yeah. I just, you reminded me of a spider story. So I love riding a bicycle around the outer mode of Angkor Wat, and then mm. I'll continue to Angkor Tom. But our friend Adam from Grasshopper once told me, okay, so when you're on the outside of the mode of Angkor Wat on the north end, there's a little trail into the woods and you can ride it for a few kilometers through the woods. And he kind of mentioned like, oh, but sometimes there's spider webs. And I'm thinking like, oh, okay, there's the odd spider web. But I rode through in the middle of the day and it was like nobody had gone through there for like a hundred years. And it was like Indiana Jones going into a temple, man. I got just covered in spider webs. And I thought about the big spiders because when you take the bus between Siem Reap and Phnom Penh, you usually have a, a, a break in a little town called what, Sakun. And they eat tarantulas there. When you get off the bus, there's always little kids selling tarantulas. Some they'll have a live one walking on them to, to get your attention. And then they want to sell you this seasoned cooked tarantula to eat, which I've never had the guts to do. But you see those big spiders. And then I'm getting these spider webs riding through the jungle thinking that's what's going to get me next. But spiders are a big thing in Cambodia, right? 
Yeah, you know, and Skuden is the most famous place to to purchase them. But those those spiders are largely from Privihir province, which is way up north near the Thai border. Oh, really? Um, but it was funny because like last time, well, you stop in Skuden often on your way into Phnom Penh from Siem Reap. So right, and and when you're with like a tour group or something like that, it's a big place for tourists to stop. So I was on a fam trip with a bunch of travel agents, and we stopped in Skuden. And and some people are terrified at tarantulas, and and I think tarantulas are actually one of the nicest spiders because they're they're big enough and kind of furry enough. People have them as pets and stuff. I don't know for some reason I'm less scared of tarantulas than than some of these little deadly poisonous ones that you don't see. But these people were like, oh, we're not going to see those in the wild. And I'm like, oh, of course not. There's no way you're going to see those. So <laughs> like the next day we were at Sambor Preykuk, or maybe that afternoon we were at Sambor Preykuk temples, and we went into one of these temples, and there was a tarantula on the ground in the temple but the tarantula got attacked and killed by ants so going back to the beginning really? yeah ants there was a bit ants took out a tarantula so you got to be careful with those guys too watch out with the ants you know that just got me remembering uh in late 2020 on a bike ride we stopped and we were in Prant province to take a leak on the side of the road and i almost stepped on quite a big scorpion and it was probably like four or five inches long so you, i mean you're talking 20 centimeters it was a sizable scorpion and scorpions are around you gotta watch out for the insects yeah you know i haven't come across too many scorpions you see them every once in a while and then there's some other thing that's not quite a spider and it's not quite a scorpion there's some other type of arachnid that i saw when i was up at angkor with adam actually um not that long oh, ago really? yeah but switching gears to maybe something a little more fun my my next one was mm -hmm. was was baby chickens and i don't know why i thought of this baby one chickens. but i think this came up on on a tantalizing travel tale too when i was on this bus in sumatra when i finally got a seat after sitting on the floor for hours um the guy next to me had a little box full of baby chickens and i thought that was great and he was so happy to like look at my little baby chickens in this box on the bus like on his lap he had them like with him you know and this just kind of played That's into nice. the idea where yeah like people have these different relationships with animals you know like uh when i was in China and Yunnan, we were in this like little local restaurant and I had to use the, the bathroom and they're like, yeah, it's just upstairs. And just upstairs is like the family's living quarters, you know? And then in the corner, mm -hmm. there was like a little pen and they had like pigs living in the, in, on the second floor in their house, like in their bedroom. Really? Yeah. And so I just think, uh, you know, like people have their, they have closer relationships to animals here, I think, whether it's pets or livestock, uh, you know, like all these little villages you, you travel through in cambodia you know like uh yeah it's kind of nice they do for sure you mentioned like a lot of houses are traditionally built on stilts to protect themselves from flooding but yeah people often have animals you know chickens in a little coop right under their house or pigs right under the house i haven't heard of them near the bedroom but that's 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 real interesting so my next one i think i told this on a tantalizing travel tales but I was thinking of rice whiskey and all over Southeast Asia, particularly, they'll just make this clear alcohol out of rice. And I checked into a guest house in Hanoi. This is probably back in 95 or something. And they had a massive glass bottle that was half a meter wide, probably half a meter more tall. And it was a third full deep of dead, thick snakes. And the bottle was full of rice whiskey mm. and it was like gray and cloudy from chunks that had come uh. off the snake. <laughs> and they probably did this to every backpacker at the time, but to check in, you had to have a shot and he scooped it out 
in a little glass glass and yeah it had gray chunks floating in it and i still almost feel sick just thinking about it but that was yeah that was enough to turn my stomach i don't uh, have to do that again in vietnam they do that crazy stuff like this vietnam like the the whiskey like you were saying i've seen the rice whiskey with like birds like a crow in the jar and stuff like that you know and i guess i assume like if it's potent enough nothing foul can harm you right but like yeah, yeah, yeah i'll Maybe. stick to i'll stick to my snake free snake free rice whiskey please <laughs> i see you have ducks on your list what's up with that yeah that was a random story i kind of thought of and i have a photo for this i have a photo for this guy i definitely got to find this one so um when i was living in bali like the balinese have such a fascinating religion like it's one of the most interesting religions i've ever experienced and they have all these different temple ceremonies like all the time there's a different temple ceremony at a different place and i was surfing one time at old man's and old man's is in batu bolong which is like changu area and they have a temple they have a temple right there at the beach and they were having this temple ceremony so i'm like yeah let's go see what's going on at this temple ceremony and it was crazy because they have like these guys you know what a chris do you know what a chris is i do not no a chris is like a type of ceremonial dagger that has like a curved blade it's like a s not even s shaped blade it like curves back and forth it's like a wavy style blade and these guys were doing this crazy ceremony and they would like sorry to call it crazy i'm not trying to be culturally insensitive but it was, it was like out there you know these guys were stabbing themselves in the stomach with the with these knives to to show how strong their stomachs were and then they had they brought this duck out and like there was two guys holding the duck and then they chopped the duck's head off with like the ceremonial knife and then they have a second duck and then somebody throws that second duck into the ocean <laughs> like what so then it turns out that like the one duck gets sacrificed and then the other duck gets set free okay so there's some okay. sort of like yin yang balance so then there was this local guy there and he like paddles out on the surfboard to like retrieve the the duck that just got thrown into the ocean and uh that that's the photo i have a photo of me and this guy and the duck that that he saved just because he told me that the i don't know how often they do this ceremony but he was at the temple on the last ceremony and he brought that last duck home so he wanted to bring this duck home so that that other duck would have a friend and I was like, well, nice. that, that makes great sense because that was like the ceremonial save duck. So he can't like eat it or anything like that, you know? So, but he, he started to collect them and I thought that was really cool. And then I, I was back there one other time when the ceremony was happening and I was like, oh, watch, they're going to throw a duck in the ocean. <laughs> and like, How do you know that? And I was like, yeah, I know. My last one is something I'm sure we've mentioned on the show at times. I feel like the last two years in Thailand, there's been a massive increase in stories about snakes coming up through toilets, especially ground level toilets. And I'm not kidding, but probably every four months, there seems to be a story online or in the Bangkok Post about somebody that sat down to use the loo and a snake came out. And it has actually changed my behavior now. Since then, I, especially if I'm ground level somewhere, even I was in a nice <laughs> hotel recently, but we were staying on the ground level. And I still had to flush. So now I almost always have to flush before I sit down in a toilet because there's so many stories and not tiny snakes either. And there's been stories about not only a snake coming out, but one guy had a snake latch on to his twig and berries and it he couldn't get it off for a while. That one was, there was one last year where some guy got. Yeah. Yeah. And another one, a woman got bit 
yeah, a guy got <laughs> yeah. bitten his nuts or his penis, and a woman got built bitten her buttocks. Like now, I'm I, I literally I have to flush the toilet, especially if ground level. No, we had one at the warehouse at the Exo CM Reup office in the bathroom last year. Not last year, but 2019. There was a, a snake okay. in the bathroom toilet in CM Reup. So like the snake in the toilet <sighs> thing, and it's funny because I'm like that sometimes too. At least I check all the time. I don't flush, but I'm like, eh, is there a snake in there before I sit on the toilet? <laughs> you know, and I stopped doing that. For for a while until the 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 CM Reup warehouse thing happened and then I went back to like check in for snakes in the toilet just like I still do like whenever I put my shoes on especially if they're outside I always like knock them out in case there's like a big spider or like a scorpion oh. or something like that you know that is a good one. I actually always bang out my shoes, even from home, really, because you never know, like, geckos can get in there. And I think it's only happened, like, twice in 20 years. But yeah. I just now, I always bang my shoes before I put them on exactly. Yeah, because it's spiders. So we went from not being sure if this episode had wheels to we've covered a lot of territory on animals. And I think realize uh, that there's lots more to tell. But I think either way, you got to remember to be respectful when you see animals, right? And you mentioned that you really try and avoid killing any, anything but ants and mosquitoes, right? <laughs> yeah, and only like, well, mosquitoes I, I will go after because I just assume they'll get me if I don't get them. Ants, I really only kill them if they get on me or climb on me, you know? But otherwise, yeah, like, I think one of the cool things about this episode is that like, you don't have to go to like a zoo or a sanctuary, you know, like you don't, like there, there's, all sorts of really awesome animal experiences in Asia just by getting out in nature, going exploring. Like you said, like even in like, uh, in parks, like, uh, what's the big park? Lumpini Park. There's the big, yeah. there's the big, well, in 7 Elevens in Bangkok, they have giant monitor yeah, recently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, uh, yeah, and snakes and, you know, like, just, just go explore a little bit. Like, there's, like, you, the praying mantis. Uh, you know, and actually, that's what I was thinking of, the praying mantis, was uh, when my buddy Albert came out to Cambodia years ago, we went to the Prakan Temple. While we were walking through one of the corridors, a snake dropped from the ceiling right in front of us and then, like, slithered off, which was kind of scary. And then we got to, towards the the east side of the temple, there's, like, those uh, those round columned pillars and then there's like this platform right next to it and we decided to to stop there and have like a, a a little rest and something jumped on me and i freaked because the snake just happened you know and it was just a praying mantis but uh the praying mantis is like such a beautiful insect and and i don't think you oh, see too sure, many right? of those i don't even know if they have them in north america so just like uh everyday encounters with insects other than ants and mosquitoes who are terrorizing me as we speak <laughs> they do like it's mosquito season now man i hate them otherwise yeah living in asia and having like all these birds we didn't even talk about birds but like you know there's amazing birds all over the place here that are just so beautiful and you see them all the time yeah there's so many things i still want to see as much as i don't like monkeys i mean seeing those monkeys in japan and the hot springs would be cool yes no uh, i don't know can you go see pandas in the wild i never hear about that but seeing a panda in the wild would be pretty Ooh, neat I don't know. But I don't know you know the koala I, that's australian I, koala is one of the only things i didn't see in the wild i saw platypus in the wild which was pretty cool they're they're tiny i thought they were going to be like beavers but they're really small yeah, I'd love to go to Flores in Indonesia and scuba dive yeah, there would be Komodo, the main one. But uh, while you're in the area, yeah, go to Komodo, see the dragons. I'd like to go to Safari in Sri Lanka. Uh, I'd like to see those orangutans where you went in Sumatra. That'd be pretty yeah, cool. And I'd love to – I've never seen an actual wild elephant. And uh, south of Huihin by about an hour and a half, Kuburi National Park. 
Yeah. And you can go in there and have a very good chance of seeing them around feeding times. Yeah, that was on my bucket list uh, for uh, one of our recent episodes. God, we've been cranking out episodes, man. This is good stuff. Sure have. Well, look, thanks everyone for listening. This is a lot of fun. Remember, patrons who are people that sponsor the show... Go to patreon.com as little as a dollar a month up and you will get special materials in between every one of these episodes that comes out every two weeks. We send something to our patrons to say thanks, short episode, videos, etc. And like, rate, review the show wherever you're listening to this. And Trevor, how about you wind this thing up? Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. You know, Scott and I started this uh, last year. We took a break and we started up again. And I think we've had a lot of really fun, good episodes. So we definitely appreciate the support of our patrons. And we appreciate all the listens from all of you out there who enjoy listening to the show. And and as always, Scott, I enjoy talking with you about this stuff because uh, you got some fun tales to share. And I enjoy listening to them. So I look forward to talking to you again soon because I know what our next episode is. And it's a good one and I'm looking forward to recording it and everyone else is going to have to wait until it comes out. So keep listening and you'll find out what it is. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Cam-